Blue Wire. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You're listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. Stephanie, hello. How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. I'm on the uh, other side of this COVID thing. So even though I've had a little bit of a setback, um, you know, I'm feeling good. I mean, all things considered, I think I'm in a good place and I'm, I'm grateful. I had my blood drawn and taken plasma so that I guess I was full of antibodies. So that is really good. And um, they took them. So hopefully they can uh, work on that vaccine <laughs> at UCSD. That would be that would be fantastic. And so glad to hear that you were on the other side of this. You sound much, much better. Uh, so we are just happy that you are healthy and on the up and up. So that is excellent news. Uh, we have some sports news to discuss today. As everyone knows, every sporting event on the planet has been <laughs> canceled and or postponed. But the NFL draft will be taking place in a couple weeks. It will be very different than drafts we've seen in the recent past. It will be all virtual. The NFL actually announced the other day that all teams will conduct the draft completely virtually. No facilities will be reopened. Everyone will be in their separate homes conducting the draft. So the internet and the phone are going to be real important. I would say Wi-Fi is of the utmost importance right now. So I imagine all teams are scrambling to make sure that their connections are as fantastic as possible. Uh, Steph and I are going to take a look at a couple position groups in today's podcast. But first, before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. Opening day would have been a couple weeks ago on March 26th. Uh, this fangirl, and I think the fangirl I'm talking to, we're both very sad that it did not happen that day because you have two very big baseball fans here. <laughs> Rival fans, but fans yes. nonetheless. Um, fans of each other, just not fans of each other's teams. Um, <laughs> so we were having a, a tough time without baseball, but ESPN had reported that Major League Baseball potentially has a plan to start baseball in May with all teams going to Arizona and quarantining at a hotel. They would play at various locations throughout Arizona, including the Diamondback Stadium. And that's where everybody would play. There would be no fans. There are a lot of things that would have to happen to make this work. And it's certainly a big risk because if it fails, then there's a chance of no season. So I think it's a very interesting thing. This is above my pay grade, and I'm glad I'm not making this decision. <laughs> um, but, you know, I understand where baseball is coming from. And I believe it was Jeff Passan from ESPN that has reported that they would essentially, they could play games in the morning because it's very hot in Arizona. So you can't have 120 degree games all yeah. summer long. The Diamondbacks, you know, of course, have provisions for that, but not every stadium in Arizona does. Um, and in that area does. So there is that. I think probably temperatures would have to be checked when people come to the stadium. There would have to, I think, also be a lot more availability for tests because I believe they would be testing players. They would need to be testing players almost on the daily. And that is a lot of tests. And of course, we're in a bit of a test shortage. It's getting better. But 
there are a lot of factors involved. And should someone get sick and it shuts down the whole thing, that's the end of the season. Whereas potentially you could say, well, maybe they wait and start the season at the end of June or July and just have a shortened season. It's a lot of things that go into it, Steph. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I thought of, I don't if you've ever been to Arizona in May, June or July, it's it's pretty brutal. I I couldn't imagine um them playing in that that kind of heat. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, over 100 degrees. And um, you know, I, I I'm not saying you can't do it for a, a few minutes or whatever, but it just <laughs> it just seems kind of ridiculous to play. I mean, baseball is like the longest game ever, can be. And so I just feel like it's a little um, unusual. I, I don't, But I mean, I understand they're trying to make it work, but I just don't know all the logistics involved. It seems like everything would have to go perfectly. And then the players themselves would have to be separated from their families. So, yes. uh, you know, everybody would have to literally buy into this. And I get that it's important and they don't want to lose the season forever. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like, and I don't know about anybody else, but I would be okay with a curtailed baseball season. You know, we don't have to play 162 games, yeah. you know. Like, it's just, you know, I, um, I, but I don't know. Like, there's some big, you know, baseball stat people that are, like, really idealist, and they're talking about double hitters. And I'm just thinking in Arizona, that's probably the, you know, the worst unless they have some sort of enclosed enclosure stadium, but even those are more dangerous. So it's just like, it's, it just seems a little, um, I don't know. It's, I, I mean, I'm glad they're trying to work on a plan, but it just seems, it just seems hard. I don't know how they're going to do it. It does seem, it does seem very hard. And I think, you know, I think they would have to play games early in the day. Like I think you'd look at like 9am start times. Yeah. 10 start time. Yeah. Yeah. Or at night or before it's 120 degrees. Um, you know, because if you play in New York on a Sunday afternoon at one in July, it's going to be hot and humid. So I guess there are ways around it to keep you in the 80, 90 degree weather. I think no matter what, it's not going to be 162 games because even with double headers, what are you going to do? And then you, of course, make a really good point with an Arizona heat. You certainly can't do that. So I think there'll be an asterisk to the season, no matter what, should it take place. And be, I think with the players and the league and the teams, the decision becomes like, are we willing to risk? Do we, is this too much of a risk? And do we see how everything plays out and maybe just accept that there may be no 2020 baseball season? Or do we give this a shot, you know, and see? Um, yeah, they may have to shorten games. I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, there was. I think there's talk. Is there going to be an electronic strike zone because then you don't have the umpire right yeah. there? Um, you know, mound visits. I mean, there's so many things. Are you going to have base coaches? I, probably not. You know, there's right. a lot of things that will go into this, and a lot of logistics. Um, I think we'll see. I would. I think they've said mid-May. I would be surprised if it's that quick, even if they can do it. Because yeah. we already are at April 7th. So it's a lot of things that go into this. I could see it being end of May, maybe beginning yeah. of June. And maybe they just, you know, maybe they feel like it's worth a shot. I think the problem is if it fails or if someone gets sick and they don't catch it early and now you have an entire team that's sick or two teams are sick, then it's a spectacular failure on everybody's part. Right. And I don't know. 
you know, what that does for the game and what that does for sports in general. Well, it, uh, you know, it, this, yeah. is, this is an unprecedented time. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of interesting, but there were times baseball were, were can, was canceled. I mean, this is like before my time period, you know, but during the war, I mean, you had, you know, and people understood, people understood that the adjustments had to be made. And I just think that, you know, at some point the fans are going to have to, um, you know, agree that there's just, it's not going to be, you know, full on a hundred percent baseball. If we get something out of it, I think it's going to be great. Um, because, you know, you want to salvage as much of the season as you can, but something's got to give, you know, here, it's just, there's no way it's going to be a hundred percent perfect. And, you know, I, the, logistically, I just think it's a nightmare, but you know, I hope, I hope they figure it out. I, I just don't know how they're going to do it. But I mean, I think, I think fans should know that and will know, even with the NBA, that it's not going to be the same. I mean, even if they finish the season, it's not going to be the same. And there's going to be the fans that complain about how, you know, their team didn't get a chance to have, you know, their championship and all these things. But it is what it is. It's just the context of this year for us. It is. It's, and that's, you know, it's true of, of so many things. So, you know, that's going to be, and I think we'll see what happens with the NFL season. You know, I had a conversation right. with a friend last week and she said to me, well, but September 13th, by then everything should be fine. I said, but, or I guess it would actually start the Thursday before, but I said, but the thing is, it's not like on September 8th, they're like, all right, things can go back to normal. And obviously I'm simplifying here quite a bit. And then you just throw them into a season. There's a reason there's off-season training. There's a reason there's training camp. There's a reason there's mini camp. Like, you can't just start a season. So, you know, it's a matter of when can everything begin? When can we have training camp? Um, it was announced that the Chargers and the Rams will be hard knocks this season if there's a training camp. So (laughs) there's a lot that goes into it. So, you know, I do think the baseball experiment for other sports might be a great way for them to sit back and watch and see how it goes uh, and then, you know, go from there. So I don't know. We'll see how this all plays out. But as you said, Steph, we are living in unprecedented times and everything as a result is going to be a little bit different. So before we go ahead, oh, sorry, go ahead, Steph. No, I was going to say 100%. I just think it's going to be, um, you know, we don't know how it's going. And, you know, obviously sports are a big part of our culture and our lives. And, you know, but so is living. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, we, we have to do what protects the people, you know, and the players and everybody, you know. So, you know, it's a really delicate thing because, you know, there's a lot of things riding on it. But you know, at the end of the day, we, we have to do what's best for everyone, not just, you know, sports, you know, unfortunately. That is, that is very true. Uh, okay. So before we head into talking about the draft, which will go on as planned, just not really as planned, it will go on, but without everything that they had planned previously, but it is happening in two weeks. So Steph and I are going to take a look at our favorite wide receivers and cornerbacks but first we are going to hear from our sponsor bet online there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on 
or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, Steph. So today you are all about those wide receivers. And you are going to tell us who your three favorites are. So take it away, my friend. You know, I think it, for anybody that's been really following the draft, the three wideouts that people are looking at is CeeDee Lamb from uh, Oklahoma. And then you also have um, Jerry Judy, who's a wide receiver out of Alabama. And then Henry Ruggs, the third. He's also from Alabama, and uh, those are the three that just can keep getting circular, you know, and they're all projected to go round one. Now, it's a deep draft as far as wide receivers go, um, but these are like the pick of the litter, as it were. Um, I think I could go with any three of these actually getting picked first. It just depends on, you know, the fit and what um, – you know, what exactly, you know, the teams want from them. Like C.D. Lamb is not like a burner, but he's a really good route running. He has good hands, size, strength. He's tall, you know, 6'2", um, big hands, good hands. He has ability to run after the catch. Um, so those are the, you know, potential number one wide receivers you want in the draft. And also when he was at the combine, he worked out well, he interviewed well. So I definitely expect him to go um, early. I mean, if not, like I would say before 12, you know, because um, I know the white, like Raiders could definitely pick one up. Um, same with the 49ers if they pick, they're 13, right? They, yes. uh, yeah, so if the 49ers pick one, it, uh, they're, they're definitely in the mix. Jerry Judy is a different type of wide receiver. He um, is fast. He was um, one of the fastest ones to do it. I think he was the fastest receiver in the NFL. And he he's just he's, – he's a big – Jerry Judy, you mean in college? He yeah. was the fastest receiver in college. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Maybe you will be the fastest receiver in the NFL. Perhaps you are. Perhaps you are. on that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I guess for the draft, or you're the combine, you know, and um, mm-hmm. and so basically, they just said that he's just he's just really good. He's just an all around, and he makes big plays, and he has the speed to do it. He's also a very good route runner. He might be the number one pick. Uh, at wide receiver as well and he also because he's so fast he has the ability to really like he can do double coverage and he can score from anywhere on the field he just has a lot of athleticism a ton of speed he's always generates separation from the defensive back I really like this kid um I think anywhere that he goes he's definitely um 
going to be excellent. You know, and I, and what I like about him is um, he's excellent after the catch. So I think it, even you want your wide receiver, obviously, to catch the ball, but you also want the yards after the catch. And I think that his skills in that area really shows that he's, he's just a really good all-around player. So I think he will be uh, picked up quite a bit. Then there's been some talk about Henry Ruggs, who's also from Alabama. Um, they have him second to most, I guess I should say most, um, a draft mix. They have him like second to Judy, but he also is just very, very good as well. He can stretch defenses. Um, he did have a concussion um, against Michigan. But he still had a world-class speed. He's um, really good with the playmakers. He's dangerous um, because you don't know where he's necessarily going to go. And he makes those big plays out of nowhere. So um, I think he is definitely big. And I think, you know, playing in the Big Ten, I mean, or Big 12, is that what they call it now? Big 12. Mm -hmm. I just think that they can definitely – He's definitely going to go round one. And then you also have that T. Higgins from Clemson. He's he's pretty good, but he could he could go down to round two. But it just depends how like quickly what teams want to go wide receiver and who wants it. But I I project those three are the three that are going to go in round one. Yes, I think that I think you are correct. I just and I do think this is just a, a biased <laughs> opinion here. Jerry Judy would fit real nicely. I mean, he'd fit real nicely in a lot of offenses, but he would fit very nicely in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You mentioned the yards after the catch and Kyle Shanahan loves himself. Any sort of receiver who can get yards after the catch. I will point you to one George Kittle, who is a master at that. So if you had, if you had Jerry Judy and Debo Samuel and George Kittle all (laughs) Having that, I mean, that would really be something else. So that's just a, a manifestation that I'm going to put out in the universe right now. <laughs> is, is he your crush? Is he your crush? You know, he might be my draft crush. He may be. <laughs> I might have to go ahead and make him my draft crush. And uh, that's, you know what? I'll just go ahead and do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to announce him as my draft crush. So <laughs> let's do this. Fingers crossed. If he's still available at 13, please take him. Actually, I'm sure if he's still available at 13, they are going to pick him up real quick. Oh, yeah. uh, so that would be incredible, especially with the departure of Emmanuel Sanders, um, which I have to say, just as a side note, kind of made me sadder than I thought it would. I was prepared for it. I kind of knew it was going to happen, but was hoping it wouldn't. And now he's gone. So I think that would be a huge pickup. But obviously, all three of those guys would be tremendous in a number of offenses. And I agree with you. They will They will all go in the first round. Yeah, I think that there's a uh... I mean, each each of them have the ability to be number one wide receiver so and produce a huge stat line. So I just feel like if, uh, you know, they're definitely a really good player. So it, it's exciting because it's been a long time since at least the 49ers has picked a, you know, first round wide out. And, you know, that's always like the glittery, glitzy, you know, play, you know. Mm-hmm or, you know, pick. And so it's been a while since that's been like, you know, the, the pick. So it, it'll be interesting to see like what all teams do. I mean, it's 
seems like a lot of teams need just about everything right now. But, you know, yeah. that's definitely a need um, for a lot of teams, and I expect all three to go, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, another position group that is pretty deep in this draft, not quite as deep as wide receivers, but still a pretty deep position group, is the cornerback. Um, that is corner, C-O-R-E. N-E-R, because sometimes I say it and people say think I say quarterback, but no <laughs> cornerback. So just in case there's any confusion on that. So I'm going to take a little bit of a look at uh, some of the top players coming out of that position. I don't think there's any debate anywhere that the number one uh, player at that position is Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. I mean, what is it with Ohio State? I just cannot <laughs> And then the thing that's that. interesting, just as like a side note, is these are guys that I despise in college, and then he gets to the NFL, and I become a fan. So there's that. Uh, of course, Nick Bosa being the number one of that of that example. But generally, I tend to like Ohio State players once they get to the NFL. Uh, so Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State is probably he's been compared frequently, and I know this is a bit of a sore subject. Steph, but compared frequently to Jalen Ramsey, uh, he definitely <laughs> is a, so I'm sorry to have to bring that up in this situation, okay. but nonetheless, that is his big comparison. He's definitely a shutdown corner, good size, good ball skills, very versatile player, and has the talent and the potential to be like, you know, a number one corner in the NFL um, or the number one corner in the NFL and um, a number one corner on any team that he ends up going to. So, We'll see where that ends up being. I expect him to go early. Of course, the wild card as to where exactly he goes depends on what a few teams need to do at quarterback. And you have a couple teams with those very early picks that need quarterbacks, uh, mainly the Chargers and the Lions. So it will depend kind of what happens there and what trades happen. But I think we'll see him go in the first few picks for sure because he is a really, really talented football player. Uh, next up, C.J. Henderson from Florida, also very fast. A lot of these guys actually are very, very fast. He's real, really good at covering receivers, obviously, which is very important for a cornerback, probably the most important thing. His only weakness that they really talk about is he's not the best tackler, but he's able to do so much more down the field uh, in coverage that it becomes a little bit less of a weakness. And then from there, you know, it's it's kind of there's so many good players and there isn't necessarily the third best or the fourth best. But you have a, a number of different players in this position that could go next in this position group. It could be Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, who is Stefan Diggs's brother, mm -hmm. um, another really fast player who has the ability to be a playmaker. And that I think is going to be what a lot of teams are looking for and a lot of teams at this position just did not create turnovers last season. And they are looking for those players that can make the splashy play that can, you know, cause create a turnover um, and really make a difference in a game on defense. And I think, you know, we saw that a lot with San Francisco this year. You saw how that defense performed and what a difference it made on a team that in 2018 had two interceptions all season. And then last year were a bunch of playmakers pretty much at all times. So right. we see all how important that was. And that is actually a position not to make this a 49ers podcast, but that is <laughs> the Niners are going to need a corner. You know, they're looking at that opposite Richard Sherman. I don't think that that's where they'll go with that 31st pick. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of see how that, how that plays out. Uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU is another 
really strong candidate to go early in this draft. He's a potential week one starter, really good in press coverage. Jalen Johnson from Utah, same, also really strong in press coverage, can be a playmaker, and he provides potential run support for teams, which is certainly never a bad thing. So there are so many play- players. Um, I'm going to throw out there a couple really more are. names. Christian Fulton, AJ Terrell. There's this is a deep class, and just like you said at wide receiver, deep class. It's kind of interesting that it's such a deep class in those two position groups, which obviously mirror each other on the opposite sides of the field. Uh, so it's kind of just interesting that you have these very quick players with good hands uh, and good ball skills on the wide receiver side, and of course on the side of corner. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But of course, on draft day, and this is what is so interesting about the draft, and this is what makes it such a crapshoot. It's when your turn comes up, who's the best player available? What is your need? And what can you know, what can you get? And then there comes a point where it says, well, we can't really get what we wanted here. Are we better off trading back and getting more picks? There's so much that goes into it. But I think the other thing with the draft and what I always like to keep a lookout on too are those later rounds because at the end of the day, there's 32 teams. And so there's 32 picks, you know, so in that first round, so you can, as time goes on, you can get really good players again, see George Kittle in those later rounds that become, you know, some of the best players in the league. Cause it's just, there's only so many picks and so many teams and, and so many positions. So I think this, this corner draft I think in the first two rounds we're going to see some of these really top guys go but some of them may end up falling to three just because you know a lot of teams as you said need a lot of different positions and I think we really do are seeing that especially as I do a lot of draft research there are a lot of teams with a lot of needs uh, with free agency just with the way the game has changed and so I think a lot of people will be you know building up from the draft so it's going to be interesting to see uh, in the coming weeks, we'll continue to look at, at more position groups. Um, but may I ask who is your draft crush? Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm more, oh, I haven't really gone there because usually I, I was going to go there with uh, my offensive tackles. Cause that's uh-huh. going to probably be my, my draft crush. I just haven't, had a chance to like look at, at everybody, but I know the position. <laughs> I want to know. I think that's good that you're narrowing it down. Um, if I were to have a second draft crush, I actually think it would be Jalen Johnson from oh, Utah. Yeah, I just like I like the fact that he provides some run support. I like I like versatility. Okay. Um, and I could pick Okuda, but you know he went to Ohio State, so I can't make him a draft crush I can root for him in the NFL and like him but I certainly can't make him a crush but if I had to pick one on this on on corners I would go with uh Jalen Johnson so I was kind of surprised you didn't uh pick up Damon Arnett he's the corner out of Ohio State too I mean he's really good um but you know like you said there's so many um but I like what but I, what I like about Arnett is I feel like he's really instinctive. I think he uh, he's he's tough. He's versatile. He can play like in different like nickel and lineup, and he he can play man or zone. And I, I like that kind of. 
player. And I think the 49ers do too. Like, I think everybody does. But they're not locked in into one exact, you know, style of play. It will continue to change, especially in that defense. So I, I think that uh, he's really on the top of my list when it comes to backs, but um, corners. But it's just um, – you don't know because he could, like you said, they could fall. He could fall to second or early third. You know, he could. And some say that it's because of character issues. So you have to. It, there's so many things that go into a draft and how they fit in the team. And you know, you have to, you know, really wonder who gets first round consideration and who goes in the later rounds. It's just, I. It's always such a an interesting thing because. No matter how badly I want to be right, I never am completely. So. Well, and I think I think the GMs feel your pain on that. <laughs> um, I think no matter how badly they want to be right, oftentimes they're not. The draft is very much a crapshoot, and that is their job, and that's the job of a GM and and scouts and coaches to do the best that they can to to make those decisions. But it is. It is a science and it is not an exact science by any means. And it's what I think was interesting, what you just brought up there with the character issues is you could have two players come in, one with exceptional talent and elite talent and be, you know, better than the next guy that comes in, who's, who's certainly very good at the position, but may not have the same God given talent, but is more focused and could be a harder worker, et cetera. And that guy could end up being, an elite player and the other guy, not so much as we've seen many times. So there's all these things that we have to put into it with our net. I could not have two Ohio state players in my, okay. <laughs> I just could not, it was hard enough for Jeffrey Okuda. And I do my best to keep my heart out of this, but I am human. <laughs> and these are unprecedented times. So I could only pick one. Um, and like you said, there are so many. So, um, but obviously Arnett is a spectacular football player as I've, Sadly, had to see year after year <laughs> in the big game. So I can certainly attest to his ability. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. So next week we will pick two other position groups. Uh, Steph will get one. I will get another. And we will talk through them in the draft. And then draft is two weeks from Thursday. So it will be interesting to watch and see how the NFL does this and, you know, just like everything else we're seeing unprecedented times, and it will certainly be different. But uh, in the NFL's opinion, the show must go on, and it will. So with that, we will speak with you next week. Steph, thank you, as always, for joining me. Of course, this was fun. This was fun. And so if you guys liked what you heard, which I'm assuming you did, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We will talk to you later. Bye, y'all.